Mosaic Brief 2. Welcome to another brief meant to be easier for you and <laughs> especially for me. So sorry about the recording quality, but it fits the theme of fitness for me to record during a workout. <laughs> this brief is a tangent that I took out of episode 61 on growth, failure, process, and humility. And basically it boiled down to bringing all of that heady abstract theory into the realm of the real through your body, fitness, and exercise. <laughs> You want a reality check on your limits in a real and tangible way? Turn yourself over to a personal trainer. <laughs> a good one will not humiliate you, but you will be humbled. But on the other side of their guidance and your effort, iteration, sacrifice, pain, and perseverance is growth in body, mind, and character. As much as I want you to think critically, to have meaning, find joy, and be happy, whole, and healthy, the most practical thing that I can encourage you to do is to enjoy exercise and sleep enough. <laughs> but for this brief, we're going to do a refresher on our episodes on having an open mind with body as metaphor. <laughs> Man, Mark Twight would be so mad. No distractions. <laughs> So we talked about different ways that we can learn. We can assimilate if we have structures for it. And if we don't have structures, then we have to build the structures to accommodate what we want to learn. And because that's hard, we avoid accommodation, refuse to learn, or manipulate the lessons to fit our pre-existing structures. To match this to a fitness metaphor, if you're already all around fit, the first time you're asked to do, say, a burpee, you find them to be a hybrid of what you already knew, assimilation. But if you lack the structures or foundation in any of the elements, like say lacking the cardio to endure, then the exercise will expose that weakness and force you to develop it. Accommodation. Building up your cardio is harder than already being good at it, already having it. So you might avoid or skip or ignore burpees. Refusal. Alternatively, you might twist what a burpee is to fit your present state. You might call them stupid to justify ignoring them, or completely alter them with bad form or disingenuous deconstruction. Let's say by doing a burpee slowly, lacking explosiveness, resting so that there's no cardio component. Or you could take the burpee apart into a set of push-ups and a set of jumping jacks and claiming it's all the same thing. Look, don't take my word for it. Here's Henry Cavill and stunt director Damon Caro on how a foundation of fitness fostered the stunt work. It's not the kind of training which just makes you look pretty. It's the kind of training which, first and foremost, is useful. I didn't realize like how difficult the stuff that I was doing was, but because I trained with Jim Jones, I've been given that, at the very least, core strength. Any type of action, any type of stunt work, specifically wire work, you need a strong core and you need your muscles to be lengthened, you need them to be strong, and you need to be stable. If you don't have any structure, any muscle tone to hold that together, you can get injured. So being in shape is an enormous advantage. That's an extremely practical, direct effect. And we'll talk about the other benefits as well. But one of the big takeaways from the Viewpoint Diversity episode was the necessity of others. In the forum of ideas, viewpoint diversity acts as a cure against confirmation bias. But in the gym, your first and foremost ally is your trainer, and then your community of gym mates. Because they'll help you get closer to the truth. Your true performance potential. They'll teach you trust and courage. And in turn, you'll be stronger fitter, and better. 
For the cast of Man of Steel, the head trainer was Mark Twight of Jim Jones. He was tasked with preparing the lead actors for the physical demands of their roles in six months. So we worked again with Mark Twight from Jim Jones, who we worked with on 300. I love, you know, the sort of Jim Jonesian approach, and I, and I love Mark's approach to the actors and their characters and the physicality. It's like a triad all combined, and, and the training, in a weird way, is a meditation on those things. He keeps it constantly evolving as not just a physical thing, but a psychological thing as well. He's just someone who understands what I'm going through physically, which I think is what makes him such a good trainer. He sees your breaking point about to happen, then he'll either push you past that breaking point, or he'll push you right up to the edge of that precipice and then hold you back. I wish I could have been a fly on the wall watching him work because he's a, a remarkable man, truly. And I have so much respect for him. Mark, probably one of the most incredible people I've met. The things he has helped me achieve, I can only speak for myself, really, um, but he's, he's opened my eyes to seeing past what I thought were my limits and the ability to crush me in the gym, but just enough that I can't walk out properly and I feel horrible and feel a little sick, but I still want to come back. It's clear that he's earned their trust, so let's hear from the man himself. Here's Mark Twight. For Henry's journey on this job, I, I, I met him for the first time and basically asked questions. I tried to get a, you know, a handle on his character, a little bit of his training background, his sort of lifestyle background. That allowed me over the next couple of weeks to write a training plan that he followed for the entire duration that we expected. One of the strongest connections that I saw, not only with our gym, but with Henry and the idea of Superman, was that uh, he's given this great power by birth. And with that comes this sort of responsibility to, you know, to develop values, to live by a code. And Henry's journey was quite similar in a way. 100% the training has been a journey of discovery, just like Superman's journey of discovery. He started out, I think his deadlift was about 245 pounds. After a period of time, he pulled forth. And it all came from hard work and discipline and paying attention to his diet and to his sleep and to his recovery. And ultimately, I think Henry Cavill is Superman. We're going to go through this process because we know it's not only important to the physical aesthetic and how they look, but it's important for their character development. For me, functional training means transferable. That means that the training I do in the gym improves my ability to do the actual tasks. For Henry, you know, learning to move his body, not only in the gym, but also in the stunt training, was what gave him the capability to do that. For Twight, his approach is as much holistic philosophy as it is fitness. It permeates his practice, as you'll see reflected in everyone he works with. Here, Charles Roven, Henry Cavill, Deborah Snyder, and Michael Shannon echo his sentiments. Henry's work to get his body in shape also just evolved into getting his, uh, say, his mind and spirit into shape. Superman learned he could fly. I learned I could do all sorts of things in the gym which I never thought were possible. Like all of our films, there's a great deal of physicality. And we've always believed in not just preparing the body, but it's also a state of mind. It has to embody everything you do. A lot of the first week I spent with Mark, we, we talked more than anything else, you know. Their philosophy about why they do what they do and, and why it's important is much more convincing than um, anything I've heard anywhere else. You know, people, uh, they like to talk about it in terms of how it's going to be uh, extreme or torturous or whatever, but I never really found it to be their approach. I never felt like they asked me to do anything I couldn't do. As much as body and mind shape each other, they also affect character. 
Here, Twight elaborates on how they integrate character or values into their workout philosophy. I think Zach understands physicality in a way that other directors don't. It's a little bit unusual for us to train actors, uh, even though that's what Jim Jones is most known for. The way Jim started was myself and a couple of other climbers. We started training some different fighters and guys who compete in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, guys who also rely on their bodies. Um, that developed into professional athletes, but most of our education and training is actually done with the military. For the last 14 years, we've worked with various tier one assets, the top of the food chain military units. Those two things actually work quite well together because for me in the mountains, fitness was often the difference between life and death. In a military environment, it can be the same thing. You never want to come up short due to a lack of conditioning. When we talk about training, one of the most important characteristics, I believe, is functional training. And by functional, I mean transferable. The training that you do in the gym should be transferable to the actual task. Which means that if I have to sprint forward to grab a buddy who might be injured and drag him back to a point of cover, then sitting on a bench wearing a little seatbelt and doing quad extensions is not transferable. When you're training for your military tasks, you should be training to develop functional fitness, not the appearance of fitness. Point number one in our training philosophy in the gym is that the mind is primary. And one of the outcomes of training the mind in the gym is the development of values. Values that are very similar to military values. Loyalty. One of the things for me that's important in the gym is that you always do what you say you're gonna do. You show up every single day. Duty. What we practice in here becomes a habit, and if my habit is to always do less, that's how I'm gonna behave in the field. So get in the habit of doing more than you're asked to do. Respect. Respect starts with self-respect. If you respect yourself, you prove to others that you are worthy of their respect. Service. One of the things I like to do is set up sort of a tag team type of a workout where one guy has to accomplish a particular task all the while his teammate is suffering, and the faster he does it, the less his teammate suffers. These types of workouts really cause a person to dig deeper than they would to save themselves because we will always work harder in the service of someone else. Honor. In the gym context, we always know when people are telling the truth and when they're not telling the truth. If you do what you say you're doing when it comes to diet, then the result will be obvious. If you do what you say that you're doing in terms of training, then the result is going to be obvious. When we make that honor, that honesty part of our daily life, then it becomes automatic. Integrity. A lot of times we assign homework to people outside of the gym because I need to know how they're going to behave on their own. Does that person have the integrity to do exactly what they said they were going to do? Courage. In the training environment, if we practice on a daily basis confronting the things that we're afraid of and confront our fear, if we get in that habit, then we'll be able to express that in an automatic way once we get outside into the real world. Loyalty. Duty. Respect. Service. Honor. Integrity. Courage. There's a strong connection between the process that a soldier will go through in the gym and the process that Henry went through to become the character of Superman. He's got this great power that he develops. With that goes this responsibility and a genuine code of ethics or values that guides how he behaves and allows him to make choices for the greater good. It's the process of self-discovery and it's a process that a soldier will go through to learn whether he or she has what it takes. And I think that's one of the reasons that a lot of people have joined the military to join the National Guard is to find out what they're made of, to find out if they have what it takes to accomplish a particular task, if they have what it takes to give back in a meaningful way to society and to their peers and the people around them. We're using physical effort as a means of self-discovery and to find out whether we actually can do what we believe that we can do.
Okay, I think I'm cutting in too much. You're smart and capable people who get what I'm trying to say. I don't think I need to cut up their testimonials into every single point I'd like to make. You can chew your own food. <laughs> and here's Anja Trow and then Henry Cavill. Two hours with Jim Jones is basically work hard and confront yourself. Everything you do in these two hours needs absolute 100% of your focus. So the gym, you know, there are no televisions, there are no newspapers or whatever distracts you. You find yourself in the front of a bar with 215 pounds. And of course, you're naturally scared, like, you know, injuring yourself or failing or whatever. But I also wanted to feel Fiora's powers, right? And not just imagine them. So I knew, okay, I should go for it. Eventually, you come to a point where your mind allows you to break through your physical boundaries and takes you to places where you think you could never go to and when that happens it's a great feeling I have to say it's almost addictive working out and lifting weights made me experience that there's beauty to physical strength and, and, and fearlessness and power and it actually became a very important pillar to approach to play a, a female superhuman character um, in preparation the exercise was the toughest thing uh, but overall and something which the exercise obviously made tough was the hours. It was just long, long hours every day. I mean, I was working 15-hour days for six months. That's pretty tiring, especially when you're emoting sort of on set all day and you're going through dramatic stuff and saving the world, essentially, sort of over six months as opposed to a few hours. It can be very tiring. What Mark, Mark Twight and Mike Blevins from Jim Jones gave me to do was six weeks of foundation at first. And they said, whatever you do, don't undereat, but eat healthily. When they'd let me off, they'd say, you know, okay, have whatever you want tonight because okay. you've worked really hard and you need some, some psychological fuel yeah. there as well uh, just a lot of dedication hard work I mean, yeah, okay. and, and some great trainers Dwight yeah. and Mike Blevins they really guided me yeah, and they right. supported me as well they were my friends as well as my trainers and so they understood what it was like for me to go to work every day and do you know a long day at work and still have the difficulty of training in the gym and so you know they looked after me and made sure I was okay and also we had fun yeah, they right. trained with me yeah. as well when it starts to hurt badly and you want to quit that's really when you shouldn't quit it's a very long and complicated process with a lot of knowledge required to achieve the thing. That's why we have our trainers who do all that and just tell us what to do and tell us what to eat. Training was intense, um, even longer than last time. I trained with Mark Twight, who trained me on Man of Steel, mm -hmm. for four months during the Man From U.N.C.L.E. shooting. And then after that, I was handed over to Michael Blevins. And during pre-production for six months, I trained with him. Almost tripled the training time overall to achieve what I achieved on this job. And uh, it was fun, rewarding, hard work, but rewarding. With respect to growth, I don't think I can do it justice here. Just go online and seek out the before and after photographs for those who have gone through training for these roles. It's astonishing. Moreover, it's inspiring. In a little bit, we'll have some interviews on Total Film conducted by then-editor Sam Ashurst, who went from self-proclaimed geek to lean and muscled. He was inspired by Man of Steel and lost nearly 50 pounds. More importantly, went from the metabolic age of 49 to 22. And you can find his inspiring journey of transformation on his blog, in the show notes. One of the reasons I love applying abstract theory to 
body and exercise is how quickly and intuitively it substantiates some of the ideas of nuance, principles, and maybe compared to certainty and absolutes. Here, the cast of Man of Steel sits down with Sam and Total Film to share workout tips, and you'll get a variety of answers which, taken to their extreme, sound contradictory. But when we view them as principle with nuance, complexity, and moderation, they all impart almost self-evident wisdom. I think this film is going to inspire a lot of people to go into the gym in an attempt to emulate Superman. Superbody. Superbody, exactly. So I was wondering if you had any sort of hints or tips for people who are brand new to the gym. Mm -hmm. What Henry did was just a ridiculous amount of hard work, like literally a ridiculous amount. And uh, it was five months of just, you know, getting up at the crack of dawn, training like a maniac. And, you know, really, I think, using those moments of extreme pain and agony to sort of say, like, this is what Superman probably felt like when he was a child trying to assimilate to Earth's atmosphere. He's probably not, not that much of a dork, so I hope he didn't do that, but like that, these are the kind of things that um, you'd have to do because it's really an amazing, an amazing accomplishment that he really transformed himself into this super body. Anyone's really capable of it. I think they really just, you know, put their head down and so I can do it you can do it you can you certainly can do it oh. I mean also you know there is there is another way if you don't mind a needle no I'm just kidding <laughs> none of that hey I would say go slow and don't and have realistic expectations for your body type that's what I've learned like going to the gym is not going to turn me into a Victoria's Secret swimsuit model so that's just not a reality so just go in with realistic expectations and go for the right reasons go for health don't be too hard on yourself, step by step, slowly but surely. Um, you know, it's easy to go to the gym and be motivated about it the first day, and then it hurts too much the second, and you just let it go. So, slowly. Yeah, you know, don't hurt yourself. You know, you can injure yourself for life. You don't, you're probably best off if you're just starting out uh, having a trainer or somebody show you what to do. Don't go in there and just start picking stuff up. And uh, you know, uh, all, and, and never, never pick things up just with your back. You know, you gotta squat. But you gotta learn how to you. squat. Yeah. It's all about squatting. Don't just stick to one thing. Mm -hmm. um, training requires an evolution, um, and the idea that you're, you know, fully aware of what's going and what you need to achieve. You, know, you may get good at one thing. Don't just keep on doing that one thing. Push yourself, and most importantly. Your perceived boundaries are not your actual boundaries. Um, you can push way beyond those, um, and I wouldn't necessarily recommend doing it all the time, um, but as long as you have someone who's very knowledgeable guiding you, then you can do it. <laughs> Again, wasn't that interesting? Snyder talks about sacrifice, but Trowell and Shannon talk about going easy. Adams talks about realistic expectations, whereas Cavill talks about pushing boundaries. Yet, none of them are wrong, lying, or deceived. They're each talking out of their personal experience, and you can understand the truth of what they're saying without pitting one against the other. If we understand the complexity and nuance of reality for something as concrete as working out, let's try to show as much grace and understanding for things as abstract as philosophy. 
I don't prescribe to a postmodern worldview. But if something as quantifiable as burning calories and human movement can generate such a panorama of responses, don't we owe it to one another to take a beat before beating up on more abstract positions? I mean, a growth mindset expects and anticipates development and change, as in the body, so too in the mind. Even as a trainer and in terms of philosophy, Mark Twight has evolved. Jim Jones has evolved. So. The biggest difference between the way that we train people now, as opposed to the original 300 movie, is back then we placed too much emphasis on the training itself. Without managing everything that goes on outside the gym, which are diet, recovery, stress reduction, sleep, what goes on in the gym is not enough. They're the best. There's no question. If they were available for every other movie that had action at this level, everyone would want them, but they're fiercely loyal. If one of the best of the best experts in the field of obtaining these kinds of results has changed, how much more should you or I, in areas of less prestige, renown, or confidence? Mark and I, we've always talked about the psychology of the why, you know. Bloomberg did a feature on Snyder which read, quote, He says he needs to stay in good shape to do his job properly. The way I interact with actors has always been very physical. Snyder often personally demonstrates his highly choreographed fight moves on set. He contorts his face and strikes a menacing pose to give examples of what he means. Amy Adams, a frequent presence in Snyder's canon, confirms Snyder's take. You're doing stuff like jumping in water and falling, and he's just so encouraging, she says. You want to hear him say, awesome. If you don't hear the awesome, you're like, uh-oh. The director requires his actors, who tend to wear tights on screen, to be in time condition and frequently joins them in what his crew members call crazy workouts. Snyder wants to make sure that they live up to his body aesthetic. End quote. <laughs> in Empire magazine, it was revealed that whenever Zack and Henry would disagree on Superman's psychology, they would do push-ups until someone gave in. <laughs> if you're a fan of Snyder, I don't think I need to elaborate. You've seen the workout machines and weights in his workspace. You know that he plays badminton, how his son is a football star, and you've seen the astonishing photographs of his deadlift or his one-handed clean and jerk or his forearms flexing and his biceps bulging, hefting an IMAX camera as if it were intended as a handheld. <laughs> These actors, and they train, they're contemplating and experiencing a physical manifestation of their character. The pain, the goals, the failures, the successes, all those things are like this mini crucible that they go through. It's a cool way to make a movie. You know, it's a cool way to get someone to do something that they'd never done. And I think that that's what Mark loves to get at and kind of mess with. To take these people who've chosen to be actors who experience emotion in a way where they're analyzing it as they do it. I think for him, those guys in the gym are really interesting because pain and fear, success and joy, all those things are present. It's there. And with an actor, the reward of the suffering is really evident. And you bring that to the movie, it's, it's fun. Central to the core of the Jim Jones, CrossFit, or whatever these days approach is the concept of functional fitness. That exercise is not an end unto itself, but meant to develop transferable skills which you can use in the real world practically. And I hope you understand that that's a central philosophy to this show and to life. I love these DC films, but... 
don't stop there. They're a lens to help you learn how to appreciate art, how to read literature, how to enjoy science, how to think critically, and how to have empathy. I hope you understand that my episodes are all meant to develop transferable skills, functional fandom, <laughs> metaphors for the other things in your life. And we spent a lot of time talking about how metaphor is very basic to the way we just understand the world. That's right. Yeah, it's not just a fancy way of talking. It's actually poetic figures of speech are our ways of giving expression to our metaphorical understanding of the world, of time as a possession, or life as a journey, people as plants, up as good, down as bad, death as a departure, which is actually a way of thinking about life as a journey, life as the journey's end, of like sailing off into the sunset kind of thing. Important part of this is how what we're doing, what our brains are doing, or what a poet's doing, is taking associations, feelings that we have with one domain, say like our money and our possessions, and then mapping it onto the target domain, like my time in a given day. And so it's a basic conceptual metaphor to conceive of time as a possession. Like argument as war is a great one. You win an argument. You win or you lose. As opposed to I had the more convincing <laughs> or the more compelling, it's mm. I beat and defeated the yeah. other person, even though I'd hopefully never touched them. Ah, this is actually a quote about this idea from uh, one of my favorite by a guy named William Brown. So he says, metaphors create an expanding web of associations and comparisons. Characteristic of metaphor is a fullness of significance that is not evident in other words, a surplus of meaning that extends beyond a word's dictionary definitions. A metaphor, in essence, works by violating language. It's a transgressor that builds bridges across chasms of meaning that we have separated in our minds. And that's what we want to do. Build bridges and be bridge builders so that you can connect the experiences in your life in a richer and more meaningful way for your benefit. If you know you want to skip leg day, you can look to lessons to understand and explain that it's not about leg day. Or maybe you can look to legends and myth like making a Ulysses pact to see you through. And it turns out that resisting temptation or making hard decisions or taking initiative, all of these draw from the same well of energy. So willpower isn't something that we exercise, it's something that we use up. It's like a tank of gas. So there's a good reason why we can't always rely on our willpower to make us stand by our decisions. Our willpower might be running on empty. We all know that it's hard to get ourselves to do certain things, like going to the gym. I want to be in shape, but when it comes down to it, there's usually something going on right in front of me that's more enjoyable. So the pull of what's happening right then is more powerful than the abstract future notion of fitness. So to make certain that I come here, I take inspiration from a man who lived 3,000 years ago. In classical mythology, the hero Ulysses lashed himself to the mast of his ship so that he could hear the bewitching song of the sirens without steering into the rocks. Ulysses knew that his future self wasn't going to be in any position to make a good decision, so he structured things so that he couldn't do the wrong thing. This sort of deal that's struck between your present and your future self is known as a Ulysses contract. My own Ulysses contract is to arrange with a friend to meet me here at the gym, and that way the social pressure lashes me to the mast. My friendship is collateral in the deal that I'm making with my future self. This allows me to be the person I want to be. 
making good decisions, resisting the seductive power of now. One, got it. <laughs> but you know what? Sometimes that part comes later. Sometimes you just have to take a leap of faith. If you're still unconvinced about the benefits of exercise, I'll leave you with neuroscientist Wendy Suzuki. Enjoy. I am talking about the powerful effects of physical activity that is simply moving your body has immediate, long-lasting and protective benefits for your brain and that can last for the rest of your life. I discovered the science underlying why exercise is the most transformative thing that you can do for your brain today. And that's when I put it together. Maybe all that exercise that I had included and added to my life was changing my brain. Maybe I did an experiment on myself without even knowing it. So as a curious neuroscientist, I went to the literature to see what I could find about what we knew about the effects of exercise on the brain. And what I found was an exciting and a growing literature that was essentially showing every Thing that I noticed in myself. Better mood, better energy, better memory, better attention. And the more I learned, the more I realized how powerful exercise was. And so now, after several years of really focusing on this question, I've come to the following conclusion, that exercise is the most transformative thing that you can do for your brain today for the following three reasons. Number one, it has immediate effects on your brain. A single workout that you do will immediately increase levels of neurotransmitters like dopamine, serotonin, and noradrenaline. That is going to increase your mood right after that workout, exactly what I was feeling. My lab showed that a single workout can improve your ability to shift and focus attention, and that focus improvement will last for at least two hours. And finally, studies have shown that a single workout will improve your reaction times. But these immediate effects are transient. They help you right after. What you have to do is do what I did, that is, change your exercise regime, increase your cardiorespiratory function to get the long-lasting effects. And these effects are long-lasting because exercise actually changes the brain's anatomy, physiology and function. Let's start with my favorite brain area, the hippocampus. The hippocampus, or exercise, actually produces brand new brain cells, new brain cells in the hippocampus that actually increase its volume as well as improve your long-term memory, including in you and me. Number two, the most common finding in um, neuroscience studies looking at the effects of exercise, long-term exercise, is improved attention function dependent on your prefrontal cortex. You not only get better focus and attention, but the volume of the hippocampus increases as well. And finally, you not only get immediate effects of mood with exercise, but those last for a long time, so you get long-lasting increases in those good mood neurotransmitters. But really, the most transformative thing that exercise will do is its protective effects on your brain. Here you can think about the brain like a muscle. The more you're working out, the bigger and stronger your hippocampus and prefrontal cortex gets. Why is that important? Because the prefrontal cortex and the hippocampus are the two areas that are most susceptible to neuro degenerative diseases and normal cognitive decline in aging. So with increased exercise over your lifetime, you're not going to cure dementia or Alzheimer's disease. But what you're going to do is you're going to create the strongest, biggest hippocampus and prefrontal cortex. So it takes longer for these diseases to actually have an effect. So this is the point in the talk where everybody says, that sounds so interesting, Wendy, but I really will only want to know one thing, and that is just tell me the minimum amount of exercise I need to get all these changes. 
So I'm going to tell you the answer to that question. First, good news: you don't have to become a triathlete to get these effects. The rule of thumb is you want to get three to four times a week exercise, minimum 30 minutes an exercise session, and you want to get aerobic exercise in. That is, get your heart rate up. And the good news is you don't have to go to the gym to get a very expensive gym membership. Add an extra walk around the block in your power walk. You see stairs? Take stairs. And power vacuuming can be as good as the aerobics class that you are going to take. At the gym, I want to leave you with one last thought, and that is: bringing exercise in your life will not only give you a happier and more productive life today, but it will protect your brain from incurable diseases. And in this way, it will change the trajectory of your life for the better. Thank you very much. <laughs> Briefs are supposed to be footnotes, so I'm going to avoid any inclination to embed footnotes into my footnotes. But we didn't get to Wayne's workout in BVS, Diana's training on the island, Twite's history of mountain climbing, and I've been dying to definitively answer how Superman stays buff in a world of cardboard. But that's another show. <laughs> I still need some kind of sign off. You're the answer, son. This is all rumor and hearsay right now. Yeah. Keep that in mind. Take everything with a pinch of salt. Don't believe everything you read on the internet either.、Yeah. I'm just hoping. Forget <laughs> you guys. I'm going with Zach. You're the answer, son. <laughs>